Good evening, church. This evening, we will be looking at Zephaniah chapter 3 and verse 19. If you're using the Pew Bible, you will find that on page 838. Zephaniah chapter 3 and verse 19 on page 838. Yes, at that time I will deal with all who oppress you. I will save the lame and gather the outcasts. I will make those who are disgraced throughout the earth receive praise and fame. Let's pray before we look into God's word. Father, we thank you for this evening. And Lord, I echo what Travis just prayed, that you will open our hearts and you will open our minds by the power of your spirit that we will be able to see Jesus tonight. In his name I pray. Amen. The beginning of the 21st century, the 2000s, it was a great time for end-of-the-world movies. Everyone knew that the Mayan calendar ended in the year 2012, so people thought that December 21st, 2012, was the end of the world. And all of these movies, they had a common theme. They had this big catastrophe which would destroy the world. And these catastrophes could have been um, like asteroids. And as I'm naming these things, you can think of the movies, uh, floods, solar flares, uh, meteors, and even zombies. And many like that. So all of these movies, they also had one other common thing that at the end, there would be a group of survivors. And they would go through hardship, and at the end, they would survive, and they would, in turn, repopulate the earth and start the next generation. Well, I think all of these story writers probably stole from Zephaniah. Because Zephaniah, in his book, he prophesied the destruction of everything and also talks about a remnant of Israel. Zephaniah was a prophet in the southern kingdom of Judah, and he prophesied about 40 to 50 years before Israel was exiled in Babylon. He was different from other prophets because he was a descendant of a king, but like other prophets, he also saw the corruption in the land, and he saw it more clearly because of his royal status. Israelites had turned to other gods, They were violent and unjust. They trusted in their own schemes and completely dismissed God and his involvement in their daily activities. Therefore, God proclaims judgment on Judah through Zephaniah. But God also proclaims judgment on Judah's enemies. To the west, you had the Philistines. To the east, you had the Moabites and the Ammonites. To the south, you had the Ethiopians and the Egyptians, and to the north, you had the Assyrians. God pronounces judgment to all of these nations because they had defined God indirectly by afflicting his people or directly by making themselves God and the supreme being and no one else to account to. Uh, The first half, the first two and a half chapters of Zephaniah's three-chapter book has judgments against all men, beasts, and nations. 
But the last half of the last chapter, it shows the Lord's intent to save a people for himself, the remnant of Israel. And these remnant are not like the survivors in these uh, uh, end-of-the-world movies who made it uh, through their clever schemes and made their way out. No, these are people that the Lord will save himself, not because of themselves, but because of who he is. They will sing with joy, and the Lord himself will rejoice over them. This is the context of the last but one verse of the book, Zephaniah, verse 19. And what this verse is telling us, what we read, and what this verse is telling us, and what we should take away tonight is this. The Lord saves his people in his time. The Lord saves his people in his time. And we will see this by looking at two aspects. Number one, if you're taking notes, the Lord's saving work. Number one, the Lord's saving work. And number two, the Lord's perfect timing. The Lord's perfect timing timing. So let's look at number one. Let's look the Lord's saving work. Look at verse 19, um, Zephaniah 3 and verse 19. You will see that there are three things that the Lord promises to do. He will deal with the oppressors. He saves the lame and gathers the outcast. And outcasts here are those who are driven away from the land. And number three, he makes those who were disgraced receive praise and fame. He will deal with the oppressors. When you think about Israel, the people who were oppressing Israel were the Babylonians when they went into exile. And the Lord brought the Persian army to deal with the Babylonians. And the Persians overthrew the Babylonians. Uh, He saves the lame and gathers the outcast. During the time of Persians, we can read in the book of Ezra and Nehemiah, the Lord brings back his people into the city, into Jerusalem, and they build the city walls, and they also build the temple. So the Lord gathered the outcast. He makes those who were disgraced receive praise and fame. Uh, We cannot say definitively that this promise has been fulfilled to the remnant of Israel, The Israelites might have boasted in the fame of their rebuilt city and also their temple. And we can see that in the New Testament. But that was very short-lived and it did not last. Um, But those are the three things that the Lord promised. And he did two of them. And the third one, the promise, is still yet to be fulfilled. The Lord dealt with Israel's oppressors. He saved the lame and gathered the outcast, and he makes those who were received, who were disgraced, receive praise and fame. And when you think about it, this is exactly how the Lord Jesus also saves his people. First, he deals with the oppressors. Who or what are our oppressors? Sin, temptation, our flesh, the world, devil, and finally, death. Jesus, the second person of the Godhead, was born as a man and defeated temptation and our flesh in the perfect life that he lived. He fulfilled the law perfectly. He took on our sins upon himself himself, and was crucified on the cross. And he put an end to sin's control over us. 
And we saw last week from Colossians chapter 2 that Jesus canceled out the certificate of debt we owed by nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and authorities, the devil and his angels, and made a public spectacle of them on the cross. He overcame the world, John 16, 33, and in his resurrection, he even overcame death. He has dealt with all of our oppressors and has defeated every single one of them. Second, he saves the lame and gathers the outcast. The lame here can be seen as both physically injured, but also the weak and the marginalized. Uh, physically injured, we can read in Isaiah 53 and also First uh, Peter that by Jesus' wounds, we are healed. You know, this verse is uh, misused many times by the prosperity preachers, but the reality is when Jesus died on the cross, he dealt with our sickness also, and by his wounds, we are healed. Uh, the weak and the marginalized during Jesus' earthly ministry, all of the people who were the marginalized in society were drawn to him, the tax collectors, the prostitutes, they were all drawn to him. And Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians that God chooses the foolish and the weak to put to shame the wise and the strong. So he saves the lame and the outcasts. We were outcasts of God's kingdom. And Jesus, by his work, has gathered the outcasts. Colossians 1.13, we read that we have been transferred from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of God's beloved Son. This happens when the Holy Spirit takes, regenerates us. He takes the preach, uh, word of God and he gives us new life. We who are dead in sin, we receive new life. Because Jesus dealt with the oppressors, the Holy Spirit can now take his finished work and apply it to our lives and bring us and gather us into the fold of God. And lastly, the third one, he promises uh, praise and fame to those who were disgraced. This is the promise for those who are in Christ Jesus. Like the promise to the remnant of Israel, it is a future event. Those who are in Jesus will be glorified in the new heavens and in the new earth. Romans 8.30, the golden chain, it ends with the glorification of God's people. And we see also in many places in the New Testament that we will be glorified. We will be made holy, we will be blameless, and we will be revealed in glory. So you see, Zephaniah was, through Zephaniah, God was not just prophesying how he would save his people Israel from the exile, but he was also giving the blueprint of how he would save all his people. He will deal, he dealt with our oppressors. He saves the lame and gathers the outcast. And he makes those who were disgraced receive praise and fame. But there is an important phrase at the beginning of verse 19. At that time. Which brings me to the second aspect, the Lord's perfect timing. So you see, all of this work that we have just spoken about and looked at, all of this verse in 
All of this work in verse 19 is prefaced by the phrase, at that time. So what is that time? In the book of Zephaniah, when you look at it, that time refers to the day of the Lord. The day of the Lord is when the judgment of the Lord will be revealed. It is the day when all flesh on earth will be judged and held accountable by the Lord. Zephaniah makes numerous mentions of this day in his short book, and I highly recommend that you read it on your own. But the day of the Lord is also the day of redemption. It's not just a day of judgment, but it's also a day of redemption. It is the day when Jerusalem will be restored and established and become the great city of the Lord for all generation. There will be no more enemies and the Lord himself will dwell in their midst. As we see Israel's history, we know that Jerusalem was restored, but Jerusalem continued to have enemies. What happened after the exile was just a shadow. It was not the complete fulfillment of God's promise. We know today that Jerusalem is the city with the most tension in the world. And there is no temple. Temple which signified God's presence in the city. There is no temple on the mount. Instead, there is a mosque. And unless you're a Muslim, you cannot go there freely. Trust me, I know. But then, what about the saving work of Jesus? Uh, Wasn't that the time, all the work that we discussed, what Jesus did? Wasn't that the time that Zephaniah prophesied? Uh, Yes and no. The incarnation and revelation of Jesus inaugurated the kingdom of God. That is what Jesus preached also, right? Repent, for the kingdom of God is here. The kingdom of God is in your midst. And Paul tells us in Galatians 4 and verse 4 that at the right time, Jesus was revealed. God sent his son born of a woman. The perfect life and the completed work of Jesus inaugurated the kingdom of the Lord and the day of the Lord. And this is exactly what happened even on his crucifixion. It was the day of the Lord when God's judgment for his people was revealed. And on the day of Pentecost, Peter says the same thing. This is what the prophets prophesied, where the Holy Spirit was poured out on all flesh. The kingdom of the Lord is already here and not yet. By Jesus' completed work, we can avail of God's blessings now in this present life. We are already chosen redeemed, called, justified, renewed, and we are being sanctified. Sin has no dominion over us anymore. The Lord dwells in us through the Holy Spirit. And we have been saved, and we who have been saved are the people of God. So it is a present reality. But there is also a consummation that is coming when Jesus will come again. That will be the time for final judgment and final restoration. It will be the time when there will be no more sin, there will be no more sickness, there will be no more disease, and there will be no more death. At that time, we will be glorified and we will, be, we will receive praise and fame on the earth. So, the Lord's perfect work and his perfect timing. How are we to respond to all that we've just heard. 
if you are a non-Christian listening to this, if you're someone who would say, yes, I am oppressed by sin and fear, and I don't know how to get out of it, Zephaniah gives you the answer. In the middle of the proclamation of judgment, the Lord calls out to seek him. In Zephaniah chapter 2, verses 3. Before the burning anger of the Lord comes upon you, seek the Lord. Repent and believe in the one who broke the oppression of sin, the Lord Jesus, who alone can turn your shame into praise. But if you are a Christian listening to this, then first of all, rejoice in the Lord's saving work and live in the assurance of his salvation. Peter tells us in 1 Peter that those who have been saved in Jesus have an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading kept for us. We should rejoice in this because we were totally unworthy of it. But God saved us. In his great mercy, he caused us to be born again. Second, as redeemed people, we must not live in bondage to sin. The Lord has removed our oppression. And he has gathered us into his kingdom. As Paul asks in Romans 6, how can we who are dead to sin still continue to live in it? We should remove all things from our lives that will draw us and give the devil a foothold. You know, in my life, uh, my biggest weakness is watching TV. And I found out that it's not so much movies or shows, but it's watching tennis on TV. And some of you know that I love tennis, but watching tennis was such a time suck, and I was stuck in front of the TV for so long. And I'm like, I'm not, what, where did the evening go? I'm sitting and watching TV and tennis for all evening. And thank God that he revealed that to me, and I'm still working on limiting it in my life. But such harmless things can distract us away from what God has called us to do. And the devil uses such harmless things to distract us. He's a roaring lion waiting to devour any that he may find. And we must not give in to that, but we must give ourselves to God. Third, we must spend time in God's word. That's the best way we can offer ourselves to God. And also Zephaniah prophesied in the time of King Josiah. You can see, read this in verse, uh, Zephaniah 1 and verse 1. One of the main things that happened during Josiah's reign is that they found the law of the Lord, which was lost. They found the scroll, and after that, Josiah made great reforms in the land. He destroyed the foreign gods and their altars. He reinstituted the Passover and did many such things. This is what the word of the Lord, by the power of the Spirit, can do in our lives. This is what... It pierces our innermost being, and it will remove the filth that is in us, while also comforting us and enabling us to live in God's kingdom here. Fourth, we should spend time with God's people. As we read in Zephaniah, the Lord saves a remnant. This was always God's plan, that his people be united together, irrespective of our backgrounds. And Paul calls this unity as the mystery of the gospel in Ephesians 3. We should make time to meet with other believers during the week and pray, read a book, 
confess sin, encourage one another. We should make time to, we should spend time with God's people. Next, as God saved people, we must proclaim his saving work to those who are still living under the oppression of sin. We must share the gospel and warn our friends and family of the reality of the day of the Lord. It is coming, and we should warn our friends. We have been given a spirit of boldness, and nothing should hold us back. And finally, we, sh- we must be expectant of the Lord's return. Jesus taught us to be alert at all times because we do not know the hour when he will come. We must not slack off because the day of the Lord is coming. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your work that through your son, you dealt with all our oppressors. You gathered us into your kingdom and Lord, you will glorify us in your kingdom. We thank you, Lord, for this. And Lord, we pray until that happens that you will help us and enable us by the power of your spirit to live lives that is worthy of your calling. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.